Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. With World War II at Dunkirk, the Allied forces are backed up to the French coastline, with the German armies bearing down on them from every direction. More than 400,000 soldiers had their backs against the wall, and the harbor, which would be the most logical place to extract them from with deep enough waters, is an easy target for German submarines. The question for the leaders in this pivotal moment was how are they going to evacuate all of these soldiers before Germany, the German army closed in on them? And the answer, Winston Churchill the Prime Minister of Britain at the time ordered every seafaring vessel made available to collect soldiers. This also made it possible to extract soldiers from the shallower waters near the beaches. Over a hundred thousand soldiers were evacuated from the beaches in what became known as Operation Dynamo, what Churchill later called the Miracle of Dunkirk. Several hundred miles away, while all this was happening, a Welsh minister and a school that he had founded and now leads spend every night on their knees calling out to God. These two moments have everything to do with one another, and today we're going to see why. Now, we have been using the working definitions. We've been exploring this series on blessings. We've called our series Stargazing because when God meets Abraham and he calls him to go from the place that he lives to a country that he would show him, God tells Abraham that though you have no children right now, you can look at the stars, you can try to count them. Such will your children be if you'll listen to me. God's fundamental posture towards us, towards the world that he made and loves, is blessing. And we've been using this working definition throughout this series that blessing is the investment of words, gifts, and relationship manifesting itself in people, provision, presence, and praise. Now the last two weeks we have traced out what it means to be a people of blessing with our words and with our gifts. And this week I want to illustrate some of the ways that we are a people of blessing through our relationships. Now, if you spend any time at all here at Ecclesia, you will hear me say this in some way or some form. You could summarize the whole Bible, the entire thing, by this simple phrase, God with us. Throughout the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, from garden to city, God will not be God apart from his people. God only wills to reveal his blessing and his way in proximity and nearness to us. In Genesis 2, after God has spoken the world into existence, God plants a garden where he walks in the cool of the evening. He tells Abram in that same story that I just referenced in Genesis 12, Go from your country and I will be with you. When God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, he tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, Let my people go. And he promises Moses that he will be with him, that God will be with Moses every step of the way. As Moses liberates the people, as he leads the people out of Egypt, God goes before the people, cloud by day, fire by night. He accompanies them in their departure from Egypt. 
And as he goes, as they wander through the wilderness, he instructs them to build a tabernacle, a place where the presence of God will meet with the people and where they will carry his presence every step that they take. He provides for them in the wilderness manna from heaven, water from rocks. He makes up his dwelling place in the temple that Solomon ultimately builds for God. And the fundamental sign, the fundamental sign of exile In many ways, the antithesis of God's blessing, the antithesis of God's presence, that fundamental sign is found in Ezekiel chapter 10 as God's presence departs from the temple. But even in the midst of this sort of judgment, God announces to his people that he will never leave them, never forsake them. Isaiah picks up on this in Isaiah chapter 40 verses 9 through 11. God says, To Isaiah and through Isaiah, get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. And then, after several generations, after centuries of weaving and winding from this promise that Isaiah announces as we're doing this very quick flyover of the scriptures, Jesus of Nazareth is born in Bethlehem. Now Matthew picks up on this thread. This thread of God with us and these promises of old as he details the word that came to Mary announcing that she would bear the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 1 verses 21 through 23 it says, She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from all their sins. All this, Matthew writes, took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. John 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. Eugene Peterson, in reflecting on this passage, says the word became flesh and moves into the neighborhood. Jesus with us. In every aspect of our existence, what it means to be human, Jesus with us, with us in our frailty as a young child, with us in our sorrow as he weeps at the tomb of Lazarus and over his beloved Jerusalem, with us in our joys as he shares wine and laughter at the table, often with those whom nobody else would eat with, the sinners and the tax collectors, with us in our fear of death as he prays agonizingly in the garden garden with us on the cross as he takes the full weight of our sin and our shame upon his shoulders and on that Easter Sunday morning God with us in a whole new way resurrected reigning yet still with us in the intimacy of a whisper announcing that he has overcome the grave by saying the names of his friends, announcing that he has overcome the world by sharing a meal with his disciples. And then in Acts, 
The Spirit of God explodes, being poured out on young and old, male and female, Jew and Gentile. God is not just with us, He now is within us. Not living in a temple made of human hands, but in the temple of the human heart, joined together as living stones. The Spirit of God moves us forward in the mission of God to go and to announce the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus is king of the world, that our sins are forgiven, that God's eternal life is made available right here and right now by his deposit of the Holy Spirit, that God is with us, and that through his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, he has given us courage in the face of opposition. He has made us into a people that bear the fruit of his life, bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control amongst so many others. And then, just to really round out our very quick survey of the narrative of the scriptures, in the end, God with us forevermore. Genesis 11 verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever Or in Revelation chapter 21, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be, you guessed it, with them. Now, we can stop right there. Point made. But the next verse is so good that we should just go ahead and read it as well. Look at verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne is saying to us, See, I am making all things new. Friends, where God is with us, death is no more. Sin and sadness and brokenness are no more. God with us. Now, what does all of this have to do with Dunkirk and how we as a people live blessing the world? Well, just as Jesus demonstrates God's heart is to be with his people, Jesus demonstrates this through every facet of his life. Just as Jesus demonstrates that the church The New Testament uh, people of God are to be the, the body of Jesus, as Paul talks about. We're to be a people who demonstrate God's love to the world by proximity, by relationship, by showing up. And at Dunkirk, the mission for the people as they faced this this very certain uh, doom as the German army was closing in, the mission is clear. Get every soldier that we can off the beach by whatever means necessary. And I think right now, as we seek to be a people of blessing in our world, our first task is to clarify our mission. If God's mission, if the whole Bible could be summarized in this sense of God with us, then then in some way our mission has to reflect that. Jesus in the Great Commission, Matthew 28 verse 19, invites and commands his disciples to go. Go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach the world to obey everything I have commanded you. This, then, is our fundamental mission in this moment. The way that we bless the people of our world is with our relationship to God. Our relationship with God shared with the world. And it was clear to everyone at Dunkirk that they were in a battle. 
And one of the things I know that I so often forget, I, I forget that I have been cast into the middle of a world in tension, a world at war, that we are in a battle. Now, as Paul says in Ephesians, we don't struggle against people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in high places. But we are firmly planted in, in a, an environment of conflict. We are planted between the victory that Jesus has accomplished on the cross and the day when that victory is announced and made known to the entire world. So today, as we reflect on what it means to be a people of blessing. I simply want to encourage you and exhort you to be a people of blessing by seeing the fight that Jesus has invited each one of us into. Jesus stopped at nothing to be God with us. As we saw last week in Philippians chapter 2, he emptied himself of equality with God. He gave his life on the cross. And one of the most important ways that we fight for our neighbors and our friends is by receiving the love of God ourselves, receiving that blessing, cultivating a life with Him, and then sharing that life with the world. As we talked about from the very beginning of this series, blessing is not just that we get good things and we hope the world turns out okay. No, we get good things so that we might be a people who share this life, this life and life to the full with the world around us. And yes, we have to do that in winsome ways. We have to do that in ways that are wise and crafty. Our words have to be accompanied by deeds. We can't just talk about how God loves people without accompanying those words with, with deeds that clothe the naked, that offer cold drinks of water to the thirsty, that feed the hungry. But all of this, all of these deeds flow from the word that took on flesh and moved its way into the neighborhood. Without our relationship to God and with God, we have very little to offer the world. Now, since the question that we've really tried to hone in on over these last couple of weeks has been focused on how, how do we bless the world? I want to invite you to understand that how we steward our relationship with God to bless the world. And Jesus, I think, gives us a beautiful model of this in John chapter 17. In this passage of deep, heartfelt prayer, Jesus prays out of the endless well of his own life with God on behalf of the church on behalf of the world. Jesus prays that the church would be one, protected from the evil one, protected from temptation, and that the church would remain in the love of God so that the world may believe that Jesus is sent by God. Now, I want to invite us over the course of the next week to dwell in this chapter, to read through it, John chapter 17, and pray through it daily. Church Ecclesia, we are in a battle but long before the battle calls us to show up, to show courage, this battle calls us to cultivate a deep life with God on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of the world. Now I told you that these two disparate situations, Dunkirk and, and a minister praying in the Welsh countryside had everything to do with each other. And I, wanna, I hope this illustrates for us today how we begin to be a people of blessing. Far from the shores of Dunkirk, during World War II, a man named Rhys Howells was on the campus of a college that he helped found in Wales. And during the rise of Hitler, 
Early on in Hitler's rise, Mr. Howes felt a shift in what God was calling him to pray for. In 1936, Mr. Howes began to see clearly that Hitler was an agent of Antichrist in the world, saying, In fighting Hitler, we were up against, not, not against man, but the devil. On the day of England's declaration of war against the Axis powers, Rees Howells wrote in his diary, The Lord has made known to us that he is going to destroy Hitler and the Nazi regime. Now, if you know anything about World War II history, it was far from evident that the war was going to go the way of the Allied powers for much of the conflict. And so this is a profound declaration on the part of Rees Howells. And Rees Howells and his uh, colleagues at the college were called as he says, to fight the battles of the kingdom, as if really called to fight on the Western Front. Now, accounts of Reese Howells' life show that those with him, through all the years of the war, the whole college was in prayer early evening from 7 o'clock to midnight with only a brief interval for supper. And look at this, they never missed a day. It's not hard for us to surmise that in the economy of the kingdom, the miracle of Dunkirk, as Churchill called it, was won in the countryside of Wales. And what I want us to see, Ecclesia, in this COVID moment, as it's made so many things difficult for us, and so many things that we are so used to doing at the church, showing up because the church is a people of presence. Online church is an oxymoron. We are a people of incarnate life shared together and shared with the world. And in this moment of coronavirus, the church cannot show up for one another or the world like we have in the past. And I want to suggest that maybe, just maybe, this disruption is a call to each one of us and us collectively to rekindle the fires of our relationship with God. First and foremost, that life would be about pleasing and seeking to know our Heavenly Father, to return to John 17, to the upper room, and to see that He is calling us to the battle. But that first step towards the battle is not taking up arms, it's not seeing what we can do, but it's remaining in His love, it's seeing His heart for the world, and it's committing to prayer. And so, Ecclesia, I want to invite us, we'll be putting out some resources throughout the week, I want to invite us to a focused time of prayer this week as we use John 17 as our guide to pray that in this moment of profound division, the church would begin the hard work of repentance and reconciliation so that we could be one. There are many roads to cross before we can be one and many divisions and many uh, injustices from the past that need to be healed, but that we would start that work. I want us to pray that we would resist the temptations of the evil one towards distraction, towards ways of unholiness that are not the ways of Jesus. And I want us to pray that we would remain in the love of God. Much of the next year, as this pandemic uh, plays out and goes on, will require the church to cultivate the blessing of relationship in creative ways. But first, our first call, and in many ways this has been the theme of the quarantine for us, our first call is to, cult to cultivate a deep life with God so that we have something with which to offer the world. Jesus stopped at nothing. To be in relationship with us. He gave his life so that we would know him. We are his children. 
And this fight, this mission goes on. There are daughters and sons all over the world who don't know who they are. They don't know they were made in the image of God. They don't know they were made with a purpose and a calling. They don't know that the God of the universe loves them, knows them, and wants them to know themselves by his love and by his measure. And these people are our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers. Ecclesia, we want Jesus to move in power to make his nearness evident to every single person. And as we see, blessing the world with relationship starts on our knees. It starts with crying out to God. It starts in understanding that the battle starts by remaining in his love. Ecclesia, let us be a people who bless the world with our deep and and heartfelt relationship with God. Let us be a people who out of a deep well pour out blessing for the world. Let us be a people who pray this week, church. Let us pray. Jesus, out of the deep well of your life, God, in your shared life, Father, Spirit, and Son, you gave of yourself. God, you drew near, you came and you moved into the neighborhood. So God, as we start this process of beginning to discuss how we can bless the world, God, would we start by cultivating a life with you? God, not in a way of delaying, God, not in a way of of trying to get it all right before we move into the world, but so that we would know who we are in your love. So that we would know our calling and our mission is to be with you. And that we, in moving towards those who don't know your love, God, or don't acknowledge it, God, that we would simply know that we were moving in our identity and in our uh, reality as your children. God, I pray for those listening today. God, who, who, who feel uh, this, this sense of, of shallowness or distance in their life with you right now. God, I pray that you are breaking down walls. God, walls that we've built up. God, walls that have been plastered over by others, Lord. That you are moving close, God. That we would welcome you in. God, that you would do your slow and gracious work of transformation. God, to help us to bear the fruit of your presence. God, the fruit of your spirit. God, that we'd be a people who reflect the beauty of your kingdom by our relationship with you. God, you gave your son on a cross. You gave your body and your blood to show us that you would stop at nothing to be God with us. Lord, would we see that we are in a fight to share with the world this incredible world-shaking truth that the God of the universe wants to be with each and every single person. God, make us a people of this kind of relationship, this kind of reflection, this kind of mission. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in your name, in the beautiful name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.